Your support of F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen has been invaluable. Your support on Patreon has helped us grow the podcast and make valuable improvements. As support grows, I hope to award a photographer to recognize their efforts as a steward of the environment through photography. You can help by contributing as little as $1 a month. Support today by visiting patreon.com slash f-stop and listen. You're listening to episode 56 with Colleen Minnick-Sperry. Colleen is a fantastic photographer located in Arizona, and we had such an amazing conversation this week. I think you guys are going to love it. We talked a lot about the creative process and not getting caught up in what other people are doing, like focusing on your own work, and that really resonated with me. I needed that message a lot. Don't forget you can find out a lot more about the show and follow links from the show notes over on my blog at www.mattpainphotography.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Colleen Minnix-Perry. All right, well, Colleen Minnix-Perry, thank you so much for joining us on F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. It's an honor, and I've really enjoyed listening to all your previous podcasts. Oh, I'm thankful for the feedback. I'm glad that at least one person out there is listening, so that's awesome. (laughs) I'm sure it's more than one. Yeah, you've you've everyone's really been inspirational and, and educational. It's really appreciate what you're doing here. Cool, awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Sarah Marino and 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 Ron Coscarosa. See, I can do it. There you go. Ron yeah, Coscarosa. Coscarosa. Say it together, Coscarosa. Sarah and Ron um, <laughs> highly recommended you, and uh, so any oh, anyone so nice. that highly recommends you, uh, highly recommendation from them is huge in my book. So, um, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it would be cool, you know, uh, for you to maybe just start out and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like, uh, who you are, um, where you live and how you got into this, uh, landscape photography thing. Sure thing. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I live in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, that's not where I'm from. Um, I was born in Ohio. I moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. I moved to Chicago, Illinois. I went to school out at Stanford University for a year, and then I transferred to the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, um, to study business administration and computer information systems. So like many people out there, I, I really had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, but it seemed that computers, that sort of methodical approach, um, really sort of appealed to me as I was going through school. So that's what I ended up majoring in. Um, I ended up taking a job with Intel Corporation, and that's what brought me out to where I live now, which is, like I said, Chandler, Arizona, uh, just a suburb of Phoenix. And, um, you know, I I'd never really had any background in photography at all. Um, I never intended to become a photographer, um, but I started mm-hmm. with Intel and you know, as, as anybody who's been in corporate America knows, it, it can get really stressful at times. It's pretty, it was pretty intense. And then you add in sort of my type A personality and perfectionism and all of that. And it just, it becomes really, uh, really tense. So uh, right around 2001, well, a little bit before 2001, I was starting to have some health problems. And in hindsight, it was all stress related. Yeah. Um, uh, my mom sort of recognized that I was I was stressed out and she handed me a brochure to the Chandler Gilbert Community College, which is just a little school down the street from where I live. And it was for an intro to photography class. It was black and white development. And uh, she kind of added, Colleen, I think it's time you get a life, <laughs> which was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Ma. Um, so I went into that class. I, I didn't own a camera. I had no clue about photography at all. The only type of photography I'd ever done before, and I would not even sure I would call it photography, was that, you know, I'd go to Walgreens um, and pick up the little disposable cameras right before I left on a vacation. So I, it, I didn't really have any background, but as I, the first class, I just remember it. And it, it, it may be absurd, um, but I still actually, I have the outfit that I wore to class still in my closet. It was that meaningful. It was that profound. Wow. So it's sort of sort of embarrassing but um, it's sort of this memento for me to never forget where I've come from. So uh, I went to that class. It was very supportive. I learned so, so much. And, you know, in 2003, in sort of a what if, like, it might be fun, I thought, I wonder if anybody would actually buy this like would anybody buy my work I don't know (laughs) so um you know just for fun I decided to start doing art shows and I did one and it was really 
fun and it was, we did really well. And so I did more and um, I was doing about eight or nine art shows a year, um, 2003, um, probably did like 2008, 2009. By 2006, I had started tapping into editorial markets. I'd mm -hmm. gotten my first publication with Arizona Highways Magazine, which was mm -hmm. very fortunate. That opened a lot of doors for me editorially. So, you know, photography had sort of, it, it was like a snowball. <laughs> uh, I just sort of got obsessed about it. I was so passionate about it. I was passionate about the outdoors. I was passionate about sharing the outdoors. And I, in 2000, let's see, 2000, early 2007, I basically was out of all of my four weeks of vacation. I was through all of my sick leave and nobody believed me that my grandmother had died three times in January. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was traveling so much um, that I decided that I needed to uh, leave Intel uh, on my own accord. So I left on February 28th, 2007, which I uh, have uh, proclaimed as my personal independence day. And I celebrate it like my birthday. That's awesome. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you know, it's been a crazy and wild ride and uh, I just, I, yeah, I feel really fortunate that, you know, being stressed out at Intel has sort of led me into, into this path. So yeah. So, um, what did you find yourself first drawn to in terms of, um, what you were shooting? Like what was your favorite subject? Yeah. So, well, I think Arizona was really accessible, right? I mean, my back door, my backyard is, is gorgeous scenery. So when I first started out photographing, um, I would photograph scenes that were familiar to me. Um, and they were mostly the, the iconic ones, the ones that you see in the calendars and the postcards and, and the magazines. And, you know, I hadn't seen those places. So for me, they were new. And, you know, even though they had already been done by somebody else, I, I wanted to go out and see them and I wanted to photograph them. And I had gotten advice from a, a mentee or a mentor. Um, she had suggested that I go around to all of the Southwest icons and photograph them differently um, in order to become more published. And you know, I pondered that for a while. It was kind of like, okay, how do you how do you interpret a scene that has been photographed differently? And when I when I thought about that, I thought about external conditions. I thought about light. I thought about weather. And, you know, if I saw a scene that was photographed at sunrise, I would go to that spot at sunset and, and see what I could do with it. And, or I'd shoot it instead of, you know, during the day, I would shoot it at night and, you know, at a Milky Way. And over time, I just got really bored. Uh, <laughs> I just got really, I got really bored with that. Um, and I couldn't figure out why. I was really kind of frustrated um, that I had all of this beautiful scenery around me and I I couldn't make it happen like I didn't like my images they were being published they were sellable they were they were fine but I, I just I felt really disconnected um, and so that's when that really triggered um, the idea of applying for the artisan residency at Acadia National Park and um, I, I needed a creative jolt. I was really stale and I, I didn't know anything about the artist in residence program. I actually just ran into a guy on Lake Powell and he happened to be, he had just finished uh, a residency out at Petrified Forest. And I thought I had never heard of this before. I'm going to go home and Google it and look it up. And you know, lo and behold, there's, you know, 25, 30 parks a year, national parks a year that offer this fabulous program. And at the very top of the list was a place I had never heard of. It was Acadia National mm -hmm. Park. And I did a, I did a bit of research and it was absolutely, it just looked stunning. It looked just like my other favorite place, which is Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I, so I applied and I got, I got the residency and um, throughout the residency, I did, I ended up doing three of them. I, I really felt like I transformed. I went sort of away from that iconic sort of bagging the shot into a more creative artist. So, um, so for you, was that, I mean, it sounds like that was like, like a, a, a realization that that was something that you needed to do in order to reconnect with why you were taking pictures to some degree. But I'm <clears throat> just curious, like, um, you know, this is a subject that comes up quite a lot um, on the podcast, you know, shooting icons versus, um, you know, the, the approach that you're talking about, which is, you know, being more of a visual artist and, and really like harnessing your creative mind to, 
to to your approach to seeing scenes. So I'm just curious, like, what did that transition look like as someone who started out shooting the icons? Sure. Yeah. So when I went out to Acadia for the first time, it was November 2009, which was just after the fall color season. I just I couldn't make fall colors because I had too many other business commitments. But when I went out in 2009, um, I found myself. Uh, when I analyzed in hindsight, I found myself actually doing exactly what I was doing here in the Southwest, which was I was going to all the iconic scenes. I was going to Cadillac Mountain. I was going to Bass Harbor Head Lighthouse. I was going to Boulder Beach. And I was fo photographing these these spots. Um, I was trying to do them differently. I was trying to give sort of my own little flavor. But again, I was still relying upon external conditions, um, basically Mother Nature, essentially providing that creative juice, which, you know, sometimes it worked out. Sometimes I got good light. Sometimes I didn't. And um, I, I, by the, let's see, I, I went back in October 2010. And then I went back in January 2013 um, for a winter residency. And it was on that winter residency where I found myself, I was photographing the coast the same way that I had been doing it for, you know, the previous residencies and all my previous visits. It was the 16 millimeter lens. It was three stop neutral density. It was, it was leading lines. It was, you know, near far technique with foreground and background and, you know, F16, ISO 100, you know, and whatever the, the shutter speed. So it was really, I was just repeating it over and over and over again. And I was getting decent shots, but, and again, they were sellable, but there's one defining moment where I, I have, I, I remember it very clearly where I was like, I, I can't honestly believe that this is all there is to photography. Like, and I can't believe <laughs> that I've left my job to do this. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, is this I really... <laughs> yes, it was sort of like this existential crisis, right? It's like, what am I doing? Um, and what I did is, is I, I kind of had, I talked to myself a lot. So I went out, I went out to um, a place called Scudic Point. And I sort of had a little chat with myself and I was like, you know, what's, what's going on? And I... I, I was just frustrated. I was bored. I didn't have any creative voice. I, I had no voice at all, really. I was just basically snapping pictures. Um, and so I had sort of this flashback. Um, I had this flashback to my second artisan residency. I had the chance in that second residency to work with the Scudic Education Adventure Program. It's a residential program for fourth through eighth graders. Mm -hmm. What happens is those kids come on site to Acadia and they learn about uh, science and art in Acadia, so they're immersed in it. And my role in that was to help establish the photojournalism program. Um, and so when we started putting this program together, we would give the kids we give the kids cameras. We talk, you know, a little bit about, you know, rule of thirds like tic-tac-toe and, you know, try to make it fun. And then we'd let them, we'd set them free on a trail and they could photograph anything that they wanted. One, and then they'd write a story about it. And then we put all the stories from all the kids together in one class into a, a magazine. And so on, on one of the first outings that I had in that photojournalism program, this, this little boy was running down the trail. And I mean, he was losing his mind <laughs> over this over this mushroom. I mean, his camera's in his back pocket. He's losing his marbles over this mushroom. And he's yelling every, you guys, you gotta see this mushroom. It's so beautiful. Oh my God, you guys, this mushroom, look at it. And so, you know, as the instructor, I walked over and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it is, it, it was beautiful. You know, it was amazing. It was a, you know, a miracle of nature kind of thing. And, and before he snaps a picture, he looks up at me and he goes, I think I want to be a photographer just like you someday, <laughs> which of course melted my heart at the time. When I'm having this flashback in my third residency, I thought about that kid and I thought, what he, that's what he thinks I do all the time. And I don't, I, I go to the coast and I use my 16 millimeter lens with my three stop neutral density filter, you know, my F16 ISO 100. Like I don't lose my mind over mushrooms. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I'm just shooting what I, you know, the landscape. And so I was sort of out of ideas and I figured like, you know, maybe I'll just play like a fourth grader. And for the three weeks, I had three weeks left in my residency. And basically what I did is I ran around without any expectation of making images without any, 
yeah, I didn't get up at sunrise or sunset. It was, you know, whenever, whenever the moment happened, I would just snap the picture and I wouldn't care if it was, you know, applied the rule of thirds or it had foreground or background. I just totally ditched like everything that I knew about photography <laughs> and threw it out the window. And so what happened is I started losing my mind over ice and bubbles and ice volcanoes. And I mean, like life was really, really fun. And then after three days, um, I was standing on the shore photographing a sunset and I, it was a clear blue sky and I'm alone. And I say to myself, if this would be so much easier if I just had good light. And I could not believe that that had come out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> I was totally mentally and physically exhausted from playing like a fourth grader. And for those two weeks, my images were probably the worst images of my life, but they were finally mine. And that was a major, major transformation for me. Um, and, you know, as with anything, you've got to practice. And what had happened on that, at that time where I was bored with my work on the coast in Acadia, I had hit my 10,000 hours with the technical proficiency. Um, the idea that uh, if you repeat something with 10,000 deliberate out, uh, hours, you'll become sort of an expert at it. And so with creativity, it's the same thing. So you've got to have the 10,000 hours. So of course, when you start this new process or this new approach, it's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be frustrating at times and it's, it's not going to yield results. But I can tell you being on the other side now, um, it's, it's, a del it's delicious. It's a, it's, it's a magical creative freedom um, where you know, everything is sort of new and everything is fresh and exciting. And it just makes photography and, and life as a, as a whole, just so much more exciting and meaning and meaningful, which is, which is what I'm going for. So, so. if someone feels like they're in a, a, a rut, so to speak, like how do, like, what is your advice for someone to escape that rut and really engage in that creative process? Well, it depends on the on the rut, um, but like if you feel like you're in a technical rut, or you feel like you're you're, you're not being creative, you feel like you don't have the capacity to be creative. Um, there are things that you can do. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I'm I'm a ex software engineer from Intel, right? <laughs> I'm a I'm a tech I'm a techie geek. Like, what do I know about being creative, right? And so I never thought I had the capacity to be creative. And I'm like, I think my, my intelligent level is probably like right above a trained monkey. So I, if I can do it, like anybody could do this. And um, I think one of the things that I've learned when I was going from that sort of iconic shooter into a more creative visual artist, um, there were two things there, this existence of a, a, a step-by-step -step creative process, and then this idea of conceptual blending. Um, so experts agree that there is a step-by-step -step process. It's four or five steps, depending on who you talk to, um, that can facilitate um, innovative ideas. They don't know how the, the, that moment of insight that we think of as sort of this aha moment or the light bulb, they don't know how that happens, but they do know how to feed it. And so the, the four steps are um, preparation, incubation, illumination, inspiration, and then verification. And how I translate that into photography, and, and this would be in sort of in, in line with like the advice that I would give to people who are in a rut is to, to believe and trust in, in this process. Um, so my translation for it would be preparation is fill your brain with knowledge and ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's not just photography, it's anything that sort of inspires you. Um, so I spend actually more of my time looking around my world, my surroundings, and trying to find things that inspire me. And it can be anything. It can be a book. It can be a movie. It could be lighting in a movie. It could be somebody else's pictures. It could be the pattern on the back of a chair. I mean, it literally can be anything. And then bringing it into the incubation phase where you say, how would I, how would I use that inspiration in my work. And this is where you have sort of this visualization. Um, so you're picturing your picture before you photograph it. And I do that at home. I do that constantly. I do it, you know, three seconds before I'm shooting. Um, it can happen anytime. And what I'm trying to do is, is how do I bring in that inspiration to make something different? And I'm building muscle memory. I'm trying, you don't want to create expectations, but you do, you do want to build sort of that, that muscle in your mm -hmm. brain. So the third, the third step is inspiration, 
illumination. And that's really where that aha moment happens. And so how I encourage that is you have to sort of relax um, a part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is a filter of stupid ideas. And for some of us, that's a really good thing to have. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us have better developed filters than others. (laughs) But um, as creative artists, what we want to do is we actually want to relax that filter um, so that we let the ideas flow. And um, when the prefrontal cortex is asleep, we have something that's called conceptual blending that happens. Um, If anyone has ever had a weird dream before, then you've experienced conceptual blending. That's essentially taking all of the stuff, all of that stuff you filled your brain with, um, and your brain is putting it together in new and different Mm -hmm. ways. And when you have this dream, you wake up and you say, wow, that was weird. That's your prefrontal cortex turning back on. And so what we want to do is in the field, we want to relax. We want to approach things. We want to experience our surroundings. We want to release the expectation of making a photograph at all. Um, We're not thinking about photography. We're actually just thinking about connecting with the land and experiencing it with our multiple senses and um, trying to connect with it in uh, using all of that information we've, we've filled our brains with in the field. And then the fourth step is verification. And that's essentially image critique, you know, did what we, you know, did what we see in the field, did it come out of our camera? And, you know, hopefully, you know, we're spending the time visualizing and composing and, and really thinking about the process. Um, so the answer is yes, but oftentimes it's not. And so, you know, you're, you're in an iteration mode. So you're looking at what you like about the image, what you don't like about the image, and you're emphasizing what you like, and you're taking away what you don't like. So that was a really long answer (laughs) to your question. But I would encourage people if they're stuck, um, what that usually means is they're out of ideas. And if you're out of ideas, you know, don't focus on snapping the shutter, you know, going to a place and, and getting frustrated, do something else like get inspiration from somewhere else and bring that into the field with you. So. Yeah. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> One of the things that I con- personally struggle with is that um, I find myself in that kind of visualization stage where I'm in the field and I see a scene, but I'm like, okay, but wouldn't that look really awesome if there was like a meteor shower over it or like, <laughs> A double rainbow yeah, with a jaguar or, or running like across the street. Yeah, visualize how to put together a composite, and then I and then I think about my personal values as a photographer, and I really don't. I'm not a huge fan of composites anymore because of a lot of different reasons. But I know that a lot of artists, um, like their kind of creative process, happens after the fact, you know, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's a controversial topic, but I'm curious like. Mm-hmm. How does that look different um, when you're in the field and doing that kind of pre-visualization and then like, you know, calming the prefrontal cortex versus when you get home and you're in front of the computer? Sure. Yeah. So um, visualization for me is is about developing uh, my brain. It's sort of the practice. Um, visualization to me is not setting expectations. I think if you're going into a photo, if you're going into a shoot or you're going into an outing with the expectation that you get a meteor shower, for example, um, you're relying upon the external environment. It, it, you have no control over whether a meteor shower happens or not, or it's visible or not. You know, you might get cloud cover, then what? Um, how I like to approach the scene is a little bit different. Um, I go into a location and I try to appreciate it exactly as it is at that moment. And so I try to take inventory of the different things that are happening. And so without judging, so I'll say, oh, there's clouds in the sky. Oh, okay, the tide's coming in or, you know, oh, there's flowers in front. And I, I collect this inventory and I try to try to figure out what I can do with that. Uh, based on how I'm responding to Mm -hmm. it emotionally. And so I I don't feel that creativity turns on and off at sunrise or sunset, or, you know, it's on when there's a pretty sky and it's off when it's cloudy. I don't, I don't buy into that. I don't, I no longer buy into the idea of quote, good light or bad light. There's, there's reasons we want to include, you know, shaping light and things like that. But ultimately 
light is just light. And if we're tapping into our own individuality, if we're tapping into our own emotions, we're tapping into our own backgrounds and what gets us excited, we can go to any location in any conditions at any time and make a decent Mm -hmm. image. And so I don't necessarily have, I don't, I, it's hard to do. And I, it's very different than how I used to do it. Um, when I, you know, before sort of my transformation with the Akidia artist in residency, I would go to a location and be like, okay, if the sky doesn't blow, I'm going to, I'm going to be really pissed off. And I was pissed yeah, off. A lot. I was pissed I've off a lot. There. And that's how, right. I mean, how frustrating is that? So now um, it, it just, it just isn't fun. I, I think you can do that for a while. Um, maybe people can do it longer than I did. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Yes. Trust me. I, I appreciate a pretty sky just as, as much as anybody, but I also know how to use, I, th- I believe all of the different types of, of external weather conditions out there to make uh, a viable image. And it's based on perceptions and based on, you know, how I'm emotionally responding to it. So I think the, the second part to your question was how does sort of the post processing sort of fit into a visualization. Um, I see. Uh, well, uh, let me step back. I I try to get the best image I possibly can in the field, and that's partially because I spent ten years behind a computer, <laughs> and the last thing I want to do is spend more time behind a computer. So I would much rather be out rolling in dirt uh, in the field. And so I, you know, I I do use you know graduated neutral density filters, and I use I will use any of the technological advances we have through our cameras now to get the best image I can in the field. That said, when you come into processing, that's really a vital step in delivering your message. And so, you know, if if individuals want to composite images, um, I, for me, it, it's so long as you're not delivering those to something like editorial and trying to pass it off as a single image, for example, like to each their own, man. I mean, this is just art, right? Art, anything goes. And if that's how you want to express yourself, that's cool. Cause then I get the insight. I'm it's not composites. Aren't something that I necessarily do. I do a little bit of HDR sometimes. Um, I'll do some panoramic images that I'll stitch, but, um, I, generally, I'm going for a single shot, it, but that's just my style. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Sure. It's just right for me. And I, I think, I, you know, I, I, unfortunately, with the photography industry today, I feel like there's a lot of judgment going on, and it's uh, there's a lot of positive things going on. But one of the things that I, I really wish we could we could do is is just appreciate all of the different types of styles and all of the different interpretations. Um, and yeah, they may not be what you like and they may not be how you would approach it, but it's, it's, it's what somebody else, um, feels is their sort of path and their style. And so, um, yeah, that's sort of my take on (laughs) it. I think that that makes sense. It's, um, I guess sometimes it's hard though, because, um, well, this is a whole other topic and maybe a good segue because I know you want to talk a little bit about the business of photography, but, um, I feel like there's this interesting intersection between artistry and popularity and, and business savviness that occurs out there. And that I feel like some people, they feel like, and I know I've felt this pressure before that in order to quote unquote compete or in order to set themselves apart artistically or whatever, um, they just start doing like really over the top stuff um, in order to gain notoriety or in order to feed their ego, or maybe they just like doing it. I don't know. Like, like, you know, I, I have my own reasons of why I've done that personally. Like it's kind of probably a mix of all those things, but, um, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't help, but sometimes I'll look at a, and I know I shouldn't do this and I keep telling myself this and no matter how many times I tell myself, I can't stop it. (laughs) It's like this weird problem I have, but you look at like a very, very, very popular Instagram page uh, or account, a, per- a person's account. You know, they have like 200,000 Instagram followers. And then you look at their image and it's of a place that you know very well. And and you look and you notice that mm-hmm. like they completely added in a, like a whole scene from a whole other area into that image <laughs> to make it look more dramatic. And you're like what the heck dude uh that's not cool and then of course there's no mention of it whatsoever in the 
description or anything. So it's just like, and I feel like that's where the judging comes in is people like people that have been to those places before are like, dude, what the hell? You know, like they feel like they've been mm-hmm. duped or like, I don't know. It's like this weird reaction that I personally, it's a visceral reaction, emotional reaction. And I can't put a finger on it. I've written like thousands and thousands of words about it, and I still can't put my finger on it exactly. But I'm curious, from your perspective Hmm. as an artist and someone who's done this full time for a very long time, like, what is your take on all of that behavior? Wow, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, I, my first thought is is back to to each their own. Sure, sure, I sure. I think sure. we, I think we all have to figure out our purpose as photographers. Why why are we photographers? What are we trying to accomplish? Um, you know, if someone has you know a million Instagram followers, good for them. I mean, that's that's amazing. I definitely do not. And that's not why I'm a photographer. Uh-huh. That's not what I'm striving for. Um, you know, I'm as a photographer, my, my purpose is to en- enrich my own life first and foremost. And, and photography does. And then very closely behind that is, is helping to inspire others. And sure. I would love to be able to inspire 2 million people all at once. Um, but I really cherish sort of the different, the, the closer relationship that I have with my audience and my community. Mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. like hearing their story and I like hearing, you know, uh, what they're up to and, and how, you know, how their photography is going. So I, I value something very different. I don't, I'm not doing photography to be well-known or popular. Or I, I want to simply be a part of this community and help make, you know, my community and, and, you know, in, in a grand scale, I, you know, I hope that I make the world a better place. You know, we all do, right? In my little time on earth that, that we, that I have, and we all have. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, of people, you know, having their own sort of artistic approach that differs from our own, um, especially when you're talking about composites and adding things into the scene and all of that stuff. You know, again, we have different standards from an editorial perspective. That's obviously not going to be acceptable um, from an artistic view. It, you know, anything goes. Um, I think in, in landscape photography, especially, we have this notion that what we see is real and there is no one single reality. And the moment I set up a camera I'm, I'm essentially cutting off, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interpreting the scene and I'm, I, for lack of a better word, I'm essentially misleading people into believing that this is what it looks like mm-hmm. when it really doesn't and who's to say what it really looks like anyway. So um, I think it's all a matter of interpretation and, and I, you know, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time comparing myself to others. I think that's a, that's a huge time suck. It is. Um, <laughs> again, I would I just, know. I just, <laughs> my life is, my, my life is just so much better when I'm out rolling in dirt and, and splashing in waves. So I, you know, if, if folks want to do that, I go for it. I'm, I'm doing my thing. And I, th- I think that actually, you know, I don't know that I would have been able to say that right as I was in that transformation mm-hmm. between the iconic and the creative. I think there is a period of time where you have to build that confidence. Um, you have to plow through the fear, the fear of failure, the fear of not, fear of not being accepted, people not liking your work, you know, not getting a like on Facebook or something like that. Um, but I, I think, you know, the fear is never going to go away. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be liked. You know, it's just a, a, we're humans. But at some point you have to say, you know, I'm the one who has to live with my images. You know, after I posted on Facebook, like people have moved on with their own lives and my picture is still sitting on my hard drive. And so I'm going to create work that I love and I'm going to create work that inspires me and, and makes me laugh and makes me cry and makes me think about the, the mysteries of the world. Um, and, that makes my life better yeah. and it hopefully makes my ability as a business person and it hopefully um, allows me to connect with my my viewers my readers um, you know my workshop participants in a in a deeper in a deeper meaning so or a deeper form yeah so well let's use that as a segue because um, I do want to talk more about the business side of photography with you but I'm, I'm wondering bet. if uh, a good way a good uh, entree to that would be for you to talk about your, um, 
I guess for lack of a better word, uh, female only workshops, you call it sheography <laughs> workshops. Yep. And, and, and sheography is a conceptual blend. <laughs> it's taking two existing ideas and putting them together into something new. Yeah, so, so I'm curious, uh, like, yeah. Uh, what gave you the idea to, to do that? And, um, like what it, I guess the, the, the segue part of that is, um, how has that, um, blended in with your, your business model, I guess, for lack of a better way of asking. So I learned, well, I was teaching workshops um, for a number of years with a variety of different companies, and I had an opportunity to teach for uh, Becoming an Outdoor Woman, which is a Arizona Wildlife Federation program. Yeah, it, it, Becoming an Outdoor Woman actually is, is uh, across the country, but in, in different forms. But I taught here in Arizona. And what I noticed after the, few, the first few sessions that I taught there was that women were learning very differently. Um, I try to be fairly mindful about things, and, and I'm very over-analytical. So I, uh, <laughs> I noticed that women were asking more questions. They felt a little less uh, in, uh, intimidated. They, they, just, they were responding very differently. And um, so I had proposed to do uh, women's only retreats uh, through Arizona Highways Photography Workshops, and they, they took that on. I did that for them for a number of years and decided, uh, I think it was last year, to, to strike out on my own uh, with this idea of, of geography and really building um, more opportunities for women across the country, not just here in Arizona. And so um, it's, it's not that I don't like guys. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Um, and I love the co-ed workshops, um, but what I, 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 as a female who didn't feel comfortable in the outdoors, you know, as a female who is um, intimidated in my own photography journey, not not necessarily by what men said or, or any of that. It just, I just, you know, I had times where I wasn't necessarily comfortable in my own skin to have the confidence uh, that I needed to to do photography or be outside um, by myself, mm -hmm. for example, and so. The what I'm what I'm hoping for geography is really to empower women who are maybe interested in the outdoors, interested in photography, but are maybe uh, like just aren't super comfortable out there, um, or they're comfortable with the outdoors and and they simply want to be a you know with like-minded with like-minded people. And so it's been it's been a blast. It's I, yeah, I just get I get so much inspiration from all of my workshops, but the the women's only is uh, we we tend to laugh just a crazy crazy amount. You know? <laughs> we get a good good ab we get a good ab workout um, while we're doing our photography. So um, it's just been a lot of fun, and and you know this year I, I started branding it geography, and next year I'm going to start expanding uh, the number of workshops um, just because the demand is is there. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to sort of help help encourage women to to get out there and and do photography because there just aren't that many of us out there. There are, but there there are some really great women photographers out there that that are really inspirational and are doing amazing work. And I feel like we we can use more of them. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a topic we've talked about before on the podcast. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, it's funny, a friend of mine who I, I just got back from Iceland with, he does workshops um, kind of more on a local level. Like, you know, it's mostly people from the city that he lives in that kind of go out with him on these, on these uh, photo workshops. But he says that like 70% of the people that go are women because their husbands mm. tell them like, yeah, you can go out and take photos, but don't go by yourself. And then so like, yeah. like, well, I guess I'll <laughs> go with this group of people that are going together. So I think I think there's a huge yep. market out there for um, for women in nature photography. And um, I mean, I know personally, like a lot of my favorite photographers are women. So it's it's uh, I, I feel like there is a different style that that women bring to the table that for some reason, sometimes men aren't able to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I, I think, I think, I think it was Sarah who maybe brought it up last time. And I, it's come up, I think, in your podcast before is, you know, I don't necessarily want to be known as a female <laughs> right. photographer. I want to be known as a, I want to be known as a photographer. But that said, um, I have a unique opportunity because of the way I was born, um, just 
just so happened to be female. And um, if I can use um, that to help inspire other people, then I'm, I'm going to try and do, do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just basically taking advantage of an opportunity, which is essentially, you know, the, the core of business is, is finding, finding a special opportunity, finding a problem that you can solve in a unique way and solving it. And that's what I'm trying to do with, with geography. I think that's brilliant. I know, you know, one of the things I've noticed as somewhat of an outsider um, in terms of the business side of photography, just cause I don't, you know, I'm not full time and all that stuff, but it seems like uh, every year it's more and more competitive um, and more and more saturated in terms of, you know, people offering workshops and people selling prints and, and the level of talent out there just keeps becoming more and more elevated. Um, so I'm curious. Yeah, it's an amazing time to be a photographer. <laughs> it really is. I mean, the opportunities are amazing. Yeah, and yeah. I think equally the challenges are also um, out there because because of how many people are becoming um, good at photography. Um, how do you stay competitive in that environment? <laughs> well, I like to think that that we don't have more challenges. We just have different <laughs> challenges than than perhaps you know ten years ago, or you know I wasn't around thirty years ago. But you know the people who had been around for thirty years are saying you know it's just not like it used to be, and stock stock photography took a crash, and you know nobody's buying prints anymore, and blah 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 blah. So um, I, I I tend to be a little bit more optimistic about things. Um, yeah, of course things have changed. The only thing constant is change. And if you're not staying on top of those changes and those trends, then you're probably going to be left behind. So yeah, we have an amazing amount of photography going on right now. Um, and, and it's brilliant. I mean, it's amazing photography. Um, we have a lot of people leading workshops. We have, um, people in art shows, you know, it's more and more competitive that way. Um, magazines aren't paying as much as they used to. So, you know, the, there's limited opportunity there. Um, for me, it's, it's about diversification. Um, you know, I do photography. I also mm -hmm. write, um, but I also, I do speaking engagements. I do workshops. Um, the, the one thing that I see is, is people trying to be different. And, and this goes for whether you're photographing or you're sort of the business of, of, photography. People are trying to be different when they already are. Um, all we have to do is, is be ourselves. And we're, we're different as, as it is. And so we each can offer something unique and different. And yeah, there is competition, if you will, you know, from workshop to workshop instructor. But um, I don't I don't know that I see it that way. I offer something perhaps slightly differently than than anybody else can just because it's uh, it's me and I have different background and experiences and, and knowledge and things to offer. And, yeah. um, sure. And and I don't I don't think that my way is the right way or the wrong way. I think we can all get you know, various perspectives from, from different workshop instructors, for example. Um, it's just about finding sort of what you, for me, it's all about finding what you love. And um, I know when people talk about that, it's like find your passion <laughs> and find what you're curious about. But, but for me, you know, this is, this is my one chance at life. Um, and I didn't leave until to be miserable. And so I'm going to fill my time with the things that get me excited. And I, it just so happens that I absolutely love to teach. I love to photograph. I love to write. I, and I'm going to do those things, whether two people are doing them or 2 million people are doing them. So um, it's, I, I, you just kind of, I don't want to say you want to put blinders on, but you, you just got to kind of find what gets you excited and what gets you up in the morning and, and just go for it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people out there, but any profession, any, any profession is going to have its challenges. Any, anything you choose is going to have difficulties and, and opportunities as well. And it's just up to you to make it, make it happen. And it's a, it's a interesting catch 22 though, isn't it? As a business person, like if you look at, um, in, in terms of like, putting your blinders on and just plowing forward and doing your own thing versus paying attention to the trends and, and like worrying about what other people are doing and all those things. I feel like, you know, you take business, you know, take case studies like blockbuster, <laughs> like they had their blinders on and didn't pay attention to like Netflix. Right. So I feel like you kind of have to do both a little bit, but I feel like 
like I found myself worrying way too much about what other people are doing a lot in my past. And I've had to like train myself to, okay, you're doing it again. Stop doing that. And then I'm like, oh yeah, right. Okay. Just like worry about your own stuff. Don't worry about that. But I feel like if you do that too much, then you miss out on innovation and really cool ideas. So it's, it's a hard catch 22. Yeah. Well, I, I think there is a balance there, though. I think there is oh, a way that sure. you can make it happen. The The key is that you're aware of the trends, but that you're not actually judging it. So, you know, I use mindfulness in my photography approach. And, and what that means is that you go into it, um, and business as well, you go into things just simply to become aware of them, not, not to judge them, not to make any sort of opinion about them, but that they just exist. And you can decide what to do with that information or what to do with, you know, what you see. And so, you know, yeah, you don't want to be completely naive and blind to, to what's happening out there in the world. But when you see things out there, um, you want to, you want to just simply say that they exist. There is no good or bad to it. It, there is no right or wrong. And yeah, it, you know, maybe maybe that trend is or going a certain way, and maybe you want to go with it, or maybe you don't. And you have the think of it as like data collection, as opposed to getting totally worked up about it. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's yeah. Strip it, strip the emotion out of it. If you can strip the emotion out of it, and that's what I think I try to do is is I'm I'm trying to be out there, and I I spend you know time on social media, and I spend time reading a lot. And I'm, I'm just trying to pick up the, the pulse. I'm trying to pick up the, the data and I'm trying to pick up the information so that I can figure out, again, how it would benefit me and how, it how I can pull it into either my photographic approach or my business. Mm -hmm. um, so, but if you're getting frustrated, I'm, yeah, getting frustrated about frustrated only leads to more frustration. So <laughs> that's a dangerous cycle. So I don't, I don't, I try not to judge. I try not to, to have those, those sort of emotions. They're just, they don't serve me well. Sure. They don't serve anybody. They don't serve anybody well. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> no. And for, for some people, it's hard to turn some of those emotions off. You know, it's funny, like it in is. my professional life at work and stuff, I'm very unemotional, like almost like, I'm super laid back, like crisis can strike and I'm very calm and I handle it very well. And then when it comes to yeah. photo landscape photography, I have this like this dynamite passion that just comes out of nowhere. It's the weirdest dichotomy. I don't understand it. Uh, well, this isn't like my therapy session. So. I was going to say, yeah, let's pull the couch out. Let's see. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Right. It's uh, it, well, it, I mean, it, it is an interesting dichotomy. Um, you know, I don't know that I, I know why that's happening, but I, I know that if you're fueled, you're fueled by passion, um, you know, you, you want to excel at something, you want to be good at it, you want to, you know, help other people, you want to be out there. Um, but again, I think you have to step back at some point and just ask yourself, you know, why are you doing photography? Mm -hmm. Like, why? what is it, what does it mean to you? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing that, you know, I sort of have this, this mindfulness, this lack of emotion approach to it, but I, I, I feel like I'm, I can be a fairly emotional person with my work. And, you know, I, I cry at sunrises and sunsets because I'm so overwhelmed. They're so beautiful. And, you know, I, so it's not like, I, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that you need to be a robot about it. It's funny though, because you're not talking about being unemotional about the work you're talking about removing the emotion about the external environment um that's not related to why you're doing it i'm i'm talking about leaving all the bullshit at yeah, home yeah 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 <laughs> i'm talking about <laughs> it's all noise it's all noise and if you pay attention to the noise you're redirecting your energies you're taking your attention and you're putting it into something fairly unproductive right. If you if you turn it into something that can be productive for you in either your photography work or your business, then sure. Like, but you know, I I, I use the word um, meaningless minutia. Like a lot of what we see is meaningless minutia. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you know, how much of this really matters? How much of it's going to matter in ten years, twenty years, thirty years? Not much. Right. Like, so you know, why why should I spend the energy? you know, looking at, you know, somebody's other, somebody's picture and being like, that's crap. <laughs> like, that's just not, it's, it's 
not productive for me, right? That doesn't do anything to enhance my world. It, does, it sure doesn't enhance the external world if I, you know, make that. And it just, it's not serving anybody. So, you know, if you can say, wow, that's, that's, that's pretty different. I don't think I would have looked at it that way. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that I like it. I like this little piece and I think I'll take this little chunk and, let me see what I can do with it in my work, but I'm definitely not repeat. I'm not repeating that. I'm not going to repeat, reproduce mm -hmm. it, but it, it's just a little bit different. It's a it's sort of an attitude change. Um, it's just sort of how you approach things. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, I know, I know a lot of people that probably could use that advice <laughs> myself, myself <laughs> included. So, um, <laughs> good. good. Uh, so, uh, I've got two more questions for you. Um, Okay. So based on the name of the podcast, F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, uh, what advice would you have for other uh, nature photographers? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I, I think it comes down to what we've been talking about. It's, it's, you know, understand who you are as a human being, understand your interests and your and your passions and your curiosities and, and follow that, you know, try not to really worry about all the external noise that's going on. There's a, there's a whole lot of it. And, um, you know, you, you can pay attention to it and get inspiration from it. Um, but just, just don't get frustrated. And I think just follow, follow your own curiosity. Um, there's so many, so many questions we can ask about this world and there are so many, so many right answers. Um, it's just sort of, it's like a, it's like a treasure hunt. It's just, it can be really, really fun if you're using your curiosity and your passions and showing your world, you know, how you see it uh, through your eyes with the mm -hmm. rest of us. I think, yep. That'd All right. Be it. Brilliant. Um, okay. So who are some folks that you think would be uh, cool to have on the podcast? And it did, they don't, they don't necessarily have to be photographers either. You know, I've started, Recently, I've been branching out to people that aren't necessarily known as photographers, but um, have, you know, things that are related to photography that people might be interested in. So, um, yeah. Well, boy, yeah. So um, the names that sort of came to mind um, and you've had you've had some I would like your whole podcast was like the list, right? It's just been amazing. So um, I would probably add Michael Gordon uh, does some fabulous work uh, out in the Mojave Desert. Um, super nice guy. I would add um, Chuck Kimmerly also does black and white work and just, he's just a riot. So um, to those, those two guys are just doing beautiful, they do beautiful black and white work, which is something that I don't, I don't necessarily do, um, but can certainly appreciate their perspective. Um, I would add my buddy, Paul Gill, who I write my books with and photograph my books with. Um, he's just a really, really creative landscape photographer here out in Arizona. Um, he makes places in Arizona look infinitely better than they look to my eye. And so <laughs> um, I really, I, I value um, his perspective for sure. Um, I'd add two more. The, one of the most creative landscape photographers out there, I think, is Flores Van Bruegel. Um, yeah. He doesn't do it, do it full time, but he uh, he's just a brilliant mind. He has a really interesting background, scientific background. And yeah. I know that I get a lot of inspiration from him and, and the others that I've mentioned so far. And then uh, the last person I would mention is Kathleen Clemens. I had the chance to meet her at the Out of Acadia event in uh, last fall, and she does stunning macro macro work with flowers and it's just yeah it's beautiful and she she uses lens baby and she uses textures and backgrounds and you know from an artistic perspective um she just when i saw her work i was just really inspired and and was really excited that she's also a, a pretty awesome human being too so well, that helps. Uh, i think she'd I think she'd be fun. Yeah, all these people that I mentioned are great, great human beings. And so um, I think that's, you know, that's important. You know, the photography is just sort of the gravy um, on top of the mashed potatoes. So um, <laughs> anyway, that's that's who I'd go with. I'd have a laundry list of, of writers for you, but I, I think that'll probably, that'll probably do for now. Awesome. Well, so how can, um, I guess, first of all, how can people learn more about you? And then what are, um, what are some things that you're proud of that you think people should check out and what are you working on next? 
Yeah, so you can uh, check out my website at www.cms-photo.com, and it has um, you know some of my work. If you're interested in seeing uh, the type of work that I do, it's it's in my galleries. I have my workshop listings are there. I have links to my blog, which I try to post um, not just about photography but just outdoor adventure in general. I tend to get myself into some fun, <laughs> fun tales, fun adventures out there. Um, uh, there's links to my book. I've written uh, a number of guidebooks and an instructional ebook called Seeing the Light. Um, I, f I did um, Wild in Arizona, Photographing Arizona Wildflowers. So it's a guidebook to photographing around our state here from basically February to September. And then I, I just happened to write Photographing Acadia National Park, uh, The Essential Guide to When, Where, and How uh, after my residencies. Um, I, it was the guidebook that I, I wished I would have had when I had started. And, you know, it seems maybe strange that, that I've, I'm the one writing guidebooks, but uh, what, I'm, what I'm hoping for is um, that people get inspiration uh, to see the landscapes that I'm fortunate enough to have seen through their own lens. And so my, my guidebooks are just simply a starting point for that. Um, what I'm working on next, well, I've got, I've got some great trips coming up. I've got some awesome workshops coming up. I'm really excited about the schedule I'm putting together for 2019, uh, both co-ed and geography uh, as well. And then the one thing that I'm, I'm really trying to wrap up is um, I'm working on a new memoir adventure travel story called Going with the Flow. And it tells the tale of how my life in uh, April of 2015 sort of took a left-hand turn and I decided to stand up paddleboard the length of Lake Powell, which is a reservoir out here in Arizona on the Arizona-Utah <laughs> border. I wanted to paddleboard 141 miles and um, I, I did it to try to get over sort of my hardships in my personal life. And that trip didn't go exactly according to plan either. We got <laughs> of caught. course not. Of course not. Uh, it was a 14 day, it was supposed to be a 14 day trip. You know, everything was planned out. And after four days, we got into a, an unexpected crosswind. A storm had come through uh, unexpectedly. And I essentially watched my mom bounce off a cliff wall for about two hours thinking that she was going to die. So oh we gosh. ended up. We just happened to, to be in the right canyon. We had a ranger come in. He just happened to come by and we called the trip off. And so I went through this whole transformation about how 40 years of achievement, I was miserable. And after two back-to-back -back failures, I was able to find happiness and fulfillment. And so I'm hoping that that story um, sort of helps other people get through personal struggles and things like that. So it'll be my first, it's really different than a guidebook. So it'll be my first memoir adventure book. And I'm hoping actually to do more adventure ad adventure books. I'm hoping to, um, yeah, uh, sort of focus on that for the foreseeable future, so. Awesome, that sounds, that sounds really cool. <laughs> hey, if it's not fun, you know, you got to if, if if it's fun, you got to keep doing it. If it's not fun, you got to stop doing it and find find your fun. So uh, I I I feel immensely grateful. I feel very very fortunate that I I have this chance to to have fun in my work and and hopefully help uh, encourage and inspire other people. So well, it's that's a, brilliant. I think you talked about yeah. finding finding a meaningful purpose in your life, right? For sure, for sure. And who would have thought? Ex software engineer. <laughs> right, like, right? You're, not just, you're not stuffy and uh, analytical twenty four seven. I'm pretty analytical all the time, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right I'm still on, a well, geek. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like most photographers are kind of like in the geek mode. Yeah, it's all right. It's all good. Normal, gotta, normal is boring. Embrace the geek. Embrace the That's geek. That's right. That'll be our motto for this. Embrace the geek. I love it. <laughs> well, Colleen, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on the podcast. It means a lot. Thanks, Matt, for having me. It's been great talking with you. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this. And, you know, keep on keeping on. Appreciate all you're doing for the photography community. Yeah, for sure. It's It's been a really fun project. <laughs> Thanks to Colleen for taking the time to visit with us today. To find out more about Colleen and see more of her work, visit cms-photo.com. You'll find links about all of this and more in the show notes on my blog at www.mattpainphotography.com. You can support us by writing a review about the podcast in the iTunes store 
As people search for podcasts to listen to, it helps others discover the podcast. Thanks to Hypnosin67 and Fang Photos for their recent five-star reviews. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. For as little as $1, you help pay for the production costs of the podcast, help us improve the podcast, and for $5 a month and higher, gain access to bonus episodes. This week, Colleen and I discussed the Buddhist concept known as Shoshin and how it relates to nature photography. Thanks to our extra generous patrons, Michael Howard, Eric Stensland, Perry Shalat, and Jack Curran. You guys are keeping the podcast alive. If you want to drop me a line about the podcast, either suggestions or ideas, please reach out to me via my website at www.mattpainphotography.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as Matt Payne Photo or on Facebook as Matt Payne Photography. Thanks for listening. This is Matt Payne on F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen.